Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? It's 2020. My name's Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. It's the new year. This is really, I believe, probably the official first show of the new year in the sense that we're all back from vacation, right? I mean, it got a little crazy, that vacation. It gets a little between Thanksgiving and like today. I don't even, it gets to a point where I don't even know what fucking day it is. I don't know what meals I've eaten. I'm not sure, you know, what I should be looking for on television. I don't know when it's time to wake up, when it's time to go to bed. It gets a little foggy. Not sure what I, I've, yesterday I had no fucking idea. I had no idea. Like on Saturday, I didn't know it was Saturday. What day is today? It's Monday, right? Fuck, man. I, I'm not saying I'm happy vacation is over, but I kind of am. Things get weird. Things get, they slow down. The garbage pickup gets weird. I, I don't know. I'm focusing on minutia here, but um, yeah. So here we are. This is it. Back to work. Big show today. I, let's, let's not go crazy. All right. Let's not go crazy. Today, I have uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt on the show. I talked to them in a green room at the Arclight Theater in Hollywood, California. That was where it could go down. It's a package deal, Pitt and DiCaprio. We took the package off-site. I had to go off-site with the equipment. I'll get into that in a minute. I have some emails here, and this is on the up, the up note. This is the good stuff. You know, there is, there is hope. There is personal uh, growth. There, is, uh, there, there are leaves to be turned over. And, uh, you know, I hope uh, you're all heading into the new, new year with some... Uh, I don't know if I would say optimism, but with, you know, some clarity is nice. I got this uh, email from somebody. Thanks for getting me into rehab. Mr. Marin, my name is Matt, and I'm an addict with almost four months clean. I'm currently watching season four of Marin in a sober house in the suburbs of Kansas City. Not that I would expect you to remember, but we actually met a few years back when you played the Midland Theater here. I was working at the grocery store across the street. We talked briefly before and then again after the show. I hadn't listened to the podcast in a while, but I happened to pick out the episode where you talked about getting 20 years and told your story. It's not like I checked myself in right then. I did carry your story around with me for a while after that though your openness about working the program made it easier for me to buy in and i haven't looked back since so thank you i hope this might make its way to you and that maybe i'll see you here again at some point matt matt congratulations man congratulations that's a big deal 
And I hear about this stuff a lot. And I'm just so, I, you know, there's so many things that are out of our control. And if drinking is one of those things that's out of your control, and if I can be of any assistance in helping you, you know, even get a, a, a day reprieve off a problem fucking drinking or, or, or weed or crank or dope or whatever it is, if I can help you get a day so you can get a little bit of clarity, I, I feel uh, I, I feel humbled and, and uh, happy to do that. Now, I will not have um, watched the Golden Globes, so I can't comment on them. But I do know that the guys I'm about to talk to that you're going to hear me talk to are both nominated for them, uh, for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor, I believe, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, the way this unfolded, folks... Uh, you know, we get pitched people, we get opportunities, we work with a uh, booking agency, and uh, I've I've talked to Brad Pitt here and there. He's a fan of mine, I, and I'm I'm flattered and honored, uh, you know, because I, I have a great deal of respect for the for that dude's uh, craft and his performances and his talent. And it's nice when somebody that you respect uh, likes your shit. But you know, he's sort of oddly uh, a little obsessed with my uh, TV show with Marin, not with Glow, with Marin uh, from IFC, which is on Netflix here in America, all four seasons, but it will be taken off Netflix in a few days, I think on the 12th or 13th. I don't know why, just the way life works. But the last time I saw him, he'd watched the entire series twice. So it's kind of exciting when I, I, I get to, to see him again and, and what he has to say when we meet at this time. Now, I've never met Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, I was excited. Now, here's the deal. I think this might be the last one I do like this because I, I, the anxiety level is high and I know that some of you heard me make a, a big deal out of some of the problems I had with my equipment during the John Turturro episode, but you didn't really hear them because my producer, Brendan McDonald's a genius, but I do get a tremendous amount of anxiety and I'm already anxious going into these conversations. Even though I've done a thousand plus of them, I never really know what's going to happen and it causes me some anxiety. You know, I'm excited, but I don't really know. I would say 99.9, I would say 98% of the time heading into a talk, I'm anxious. I'm nervous. I'm, uh, I, I don't know, you know, how, what's going to happen. I've, I have to, I, I meditate on how to approach it. You know, how am I going to, you know, uh, what, what's the through line in my mind? You know, what, what, what can I lock into to start the conversation? I don't know these things and it doesn't, and hasn't gotten any better after a thousand, however many episodes. So when I go out with the equipment and the, this is, I bring it, I usually have it with me. Uh, in case I have to do intros or the ads from the road. But sometimes, obviously, you've heard me do, um, you know, interviews on the road. But, you know, I, then that's one other level of anxiety is function, you know, working that equipment. Will the mics hold up? Will the wires work? Will, will the, can I get the levels right? So I, and I'm not a sound engineer. So that causes another level of anxiety. And, I, okay, I'll, I'll cop to it. There, there were a couple of issues. It, it's interesting uh, when they walk in and you'll hear it, you know, they're all jacked up because they just got done doing a panel in front of a bunch of people. And I know what that feels like. I've been in that, in the room that I recorded, I've been in the room three times, uh, for SAG panels for glow. I've, I've been in that room waiting to go out and, and do one of these things, but they walk in and they're kind of lit up and, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty exciting, man. 
So, all right, so I'm sitting there, and you hear commotion. There's always commotion around uh, big movie stars because there's a buzz and a hum. There's usually several people, maybe a dozen people, personal security, publicists, people who work at the place. There's just a, all of a sudden, there's just sort of like you feel the entire frequency of the building changes. But here's the thing, you know, it's weird. It's weird that, like, I've done so many of these things, and I'm sitting in this room, and I can... People become people very quickly to me. And I think what's important to know about me and about this process is the one thing in this life that keeps me upbeat, engaged, hopeful, and interested is talking to people. It's talking to the people I talk to on this show and in my life. No matter what they do, it's, it's not the, that's not the thing. They're all people, but just doing it no matter how much dread I have or how much anxiety I'm experiencing in any given moment, if I'm engaged in a conversation, it dissipates. I lose myself in the conversation. And I know there are people in my head, but I got to be honest with you, folks. I'm not, you know, I don't have anybody up on a pedestal and I'm not a starstruck person, but uh, these guys are shiny fuckers. They are shiny fuckers. Man, that's a natural gift. I mean, granted, I've grown up most of my life seeing Brad Pitt in, in movies and doing amazing work, and the same with DiCaprio. And I, again, I have a lot of respect for these guys, but when they walk in, I mean, they, <laughs> they, they feel like movie stars, and that's just, that is a natural goddamn gift. I, I, I did the work in my brain to separate them from, you know, like, I just, these are people and I'm going to separate them from their work. I'm just going to, they're going to be in front of me and they're going to be regular people. But, you know, they're just fucking movie stars and they're both great actors. And it was very exciting amidst all the chaos in my brain. There were moments where I just, uh, I, I was just trying to be, just trying to be normal, folks. Just trying to be cool. The other tricky thing is that, you know, I had an hour. So I got there. I got to the Arclight an hour early to sit around, think, look at my four notes, think about the movies, think about where do I want to go? How is it going to work? And then I know I got an hour and then you're out an hour and you're out. And then there, then that's it. And then I'm sitting there alone with my recorder wrapping up chords. That's the thing. That's the beautiful moment at the end of this that you don't get to see, folks, is that uh, after all the excitement and hoopla and all the, the entourages leave, the security people leave, the movie stars leave, it's just me in a room wrapping up cords, unplugging stuff, and uh, filling a bag up and walking out by myself to the parking lot, hoping that whatever is in the machine isn't fucked up. So there you go. That's the inside scoop. Now let's go there <laughs> to that room at the Arclight where I talked to uh, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, as I said before, they're both nominated for Golden Globes and SAG Awards for their roles in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And by the time this is airing, one or both of them may have won the Golden Globes, which were last night. They're both strong contenders for Oscar nominations as well. And uh, and I got to sit there and panic in front of them. So enjoy. 
Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. It. Mr. Mark Marin. How are you, buddy? This is cool as shit. Relax, fellas. Relax. Relax. Ah, We're yeah. with the great you Mark the Marin. How are we going to... You're getting, oh, you're so nice about me, dude. I'm a fan. I he really, he really is. I'm a I remember fan. him talking about you on, on, on the movie. You were yeah. going off about oh about my show. I, I love this show. Yeah, it's going to be on. It's it's leaving Netflix. And where's it going? I don't know. I, I just know on just January into 12th, the ethers. It's, it's over. gone. It's over. Yeah, I've seen it three times. The three entire times. series. The my, entire. It's my happy place. It is. To see you miserable oh, makes fuck. me makes me not feel yeah. so bad. That's what it's all about. I'm it carrying really the burden for others. You really are. Yeah. And I love, but I just love how you. I think I told you this when I bumped into you. How you you'll like suffer some minor injustice in the world. Yeah. From another, yeah. Have it out with them, yeah. You suffer no fools, yeah. And then you invite them back to listen to your to your new turntable or something. Like we're we're equal now. We're all humans yeah, again. Yeah, I well, I think that's a, an attempt. I don't know if you have that problem where I'll act like an asshole, and then uh, and then you kind of claw your way back into someone's life, and hopefully they'll forgive you for it. See, I thought you were justified. <laughs> you did. Uh, yes, yes, I did. I did. I, th- I thought you were speaking for all of us. And then, you're, and then everything's okay. Yeah. Everything's okay, usually, until it comes back later. So, what... Well, okay, let me make sure I got... Is this how we do it? We speak into the mic? Like, I guess, like is, this, is this, cor- is this <laughs> the correct <laughs> distance? Yeah, I think, I think this is good. You never know who's going to fuck up with a mic, man. Some people can't do it. Oh, well, I'm, it, I'm not comfortable with it. Are you? Yeah, I'm fine. I think we just hold it like a mic stand. You look like a it's torch perfect. singer. <laughs> I'll tell you, you what, do look comfortable. There was a big problem with, uh, and, I, and I'm not, uh, I'm not being mean, but uh, John Turturro uh, talks a lot with his hands. So there was right. one this happened. Right, right. He's so, Italian. Yeah. So if you listen to that one, you get a lot of. Right. You know, but back and forth. but yeah. when you have the the comfort of the garage, aren't they aren't they set? Aren't they yeah, hanging? Yeah, of course, man. They're, right. they're on booms. It's but when you you're get, on mobile here. You guys that, couldn't make it out to the that garage. anything could happen. Yeah, mm. I know. It's a little 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 sad. So, what uh, what just went on in there? We did a little Q and A with the for the yeah for the movie for the old film. And That's Quentin where they, they screen it. Quentin's in there. He's in there still, just talking to himself. Pro- <laughs> hey, it's great to do it with Quentin because uh, yeah. you, you know he car- he does all the the heavy lifting. He yeah. carries the load. He yeah, does. there was no. He'll just keep going. Mm-hmm. He will keep going. So I guess I I don't. It's always hard to figure out where to start when I'm talking to two dudes, two guys. 
But the last time I saw you, two to. dudes. <laughs> as opposed to one dude. Oh, okay. No, you had two I, uh, dudes. I thought with, you meant two women. Uh, or, no, no, with two huge okay. careers, and I got to mm-hmm. like somehow wrangle it up here. <laughs> but the last time I saw you was at that Art Basil thing. Right, the art, the Paramount. No. Paramount. Well, yeah. I saw you at the Yeah, it was at the thing, art thing. At the art thing, because my ex, my now ex, had an exhibit. Oh, it's your ex? She was so sweet. You were outside, like, know, barking bring, for her, bring like, bringing people in, people in Look, to I, see her art. And I love her. I thought know, it was very sweet. It was, I mean, I, I still have a lot of respect for her, and I love her, but I just, uh, I'm out. Okay, let, I'm me, out. let me ask you this. <laughs> what, what, did, what did you think of her art? Really? I liked it. I liked it a lot. Okay. I, I, because there was a... There's something about abstraction that either it's going to work or it's not. I mean, you're an abstract guy, right? You like abstract art. I like I like a lot of art. Right. So does so does my man. Well, that's here. what I was going to talk to you about because I met the first time I met you guys or what met you. You were hanging out with Thomas Houseago. That's right. He's your buddy. He's a giant sculptor. That's right. Big sculpture. That's the one. So you do you you both collect art? Yes. And your dad. Was like a comic guy. Yes, right. My, up my at yeah. last gasp was where. Well, he was a, a comic book distributor yeah. around Los Angeles, and he used to take me in his station wagon called the Pussmobile. Yeah, and we used oh, to dear. base. Yeah, what? it was a broken down, yellow, messed up station wagon. We used to go to Golden Apple and Heidi Ho. Basically, every weekend of my life was trucking around to comic book stores and head shops <laughs> selling Duran Duran posters and the freak fabulous freak brothers and cherry pop tart and all these art crumb stuff all art crumbs my dad's actually friends with art crumb and Robert yeah. Williams right I know I interviewed Robert oh yeah he's amazing yeah. that's like one of his best friends really so he's kind of a z-lig of the counter hippie culture and yeah. all the so I grew up going to the doodah parade hanging out with all these underground artists yeah, right, that yeah, was right, to right. make a little cash, you know what I mean? Because although you know, although my future college funds was a you know a, a, a box of underground comic books, <laughs> yeah, that didn't exactly <laughs> pay the bills. But that was literally my college fund, like every number one comic book, <laughs> like even like underground the, comic. The mar- oh, all underground. none of the Marvel or DC stuff, which actually went up worth mo- yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, just the, the first only the original stuff. art, the crumb art, has really skyrocketed. Now, do you have that stuff? I do have a couple. I picked yeah. up a couple, luckily. But of the he, art crumb stuff. He's finally. He is the. The man from the underground art scene that has like hit the marketplace and actually become right, you know, and you know, and Robert Williams is very bitter about it all. About the, I, the, I collect Robert Williams too. That man is he's a great, go- a god to he's me. Great, you will hear nothing but no, wonderful no. Things. I, I think he he's is. great, but that's one of the weird chips on his shoulder. Is that you know he never got established art success. Well, he was with Tony Shafrazi in New York for a while. That's but right. It's that, I remember. It's the whole yeah. L.A. underground art scene trying to make it to New York is a very tough transition. You know what I mean? Right. But that's also, it seems like those guys get stuck in that kind of like comic art, outsider art, right. graphic art right. trip. Whereas guys like like House Ago, that's fine art shit, right? That's big time. If it, Yeah, when it lands that way, sure. Yeah. And, that, and, and do you have a couple of those huge pieces? I, in fact, indeed, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I like them. <laughs> what, well, what 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 kind of art do you gravitate to the most, though? Ooh, I, I wouldn't know In your how collection. to describe that. Yeah. yeah, I don't even say... I mean, even the word collection kind of bothers me. It yeah. kind of makes me go... Yeah, right. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> right. But, You're not buying it as an investment. No, no, no never. Um, 
just certain things that that move me, and I yeah. like to be around each day, yeah. and and might inspire my kids or something. Yeah, I don't know. Some of Thomas's stuff is can could scare them as well. But yeah, do you but, do you do you are you do you do sculptures anything? Like I that? I have been on my own. Just, really? Yeah, just just like I mean, because what we do is such a collaborative sport. Sure. I found that uh, for the better. Yeah. You know, for the worse sometimes, you know, I've seen performances improved, enhanced, yeah. like on this one. Yeah. Or I've seen them, you know, take a take a beating. Right. And to do something that's just you and on your own and very solitary, I find very um, meditative. Well, yeah, that's well, that's the, the weird thing. I mean, because you guys both see what you do as art, right? Uh, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> you know, have, have you? We're not quite allowed, are we? We're I guess I guess we're allowed, allowed to say that. What? Yeah. Certainly entertainers, but are we are we allowed to say? I, I think we can say that that you're okay. artist. All right, of course you can. Okay, but but it's something you work towards, right? I mean, like, do you remember your first jobs? Of course. Oh God, yes. It was TV, right? It both was of you. Both of us were television. I it, mean, yeah. Did that help out in, in knowing this guy part, this part in this movie? The whole TV world? I think for sure. I mean, <clears throat> I think the truth is what was so great about Quentin's script was the sort of outsider approach that he took to the industry, two guys that were certainly my character being on the brink of extinction yeah. <laughs> right? as the hippie cultural movement is coming into play, and he's like a remnant of old hat Hollywood yeah. sort of cowboy television, and he hasn't made that transition, and, and as a byproduct... You know, Cliff, my psychiatrist, security guard, yeah. houseman, is Him. suffering yeah. the consequences. And, of course, Roman Polanski moves in next door, and that, you know, symbolizes everything that we aren't right, sure. and are trying to be. Right. Just that approach right away, I think, you know, we, we've been doing this for a long time. We've been very, you know, fortunate to be yeah. successful in what we do. But we remember those days. Remember looking up to all these actors that were doing it. And like and, who, when you were coming, like, like when you started out, like what were your first TV gigs? I can't remember. I did. I did a year, a one, ep, one season of Parenthood, which yeah. was a spinoff of the movie Parenthood with Steve Martin. And I played Joaquin Phoenix's role in the television version okay. of, of Parenthood. Right. So I actually studied Joaquin Phoenix's performance in that to get my first job. Did and you? then I did. I do that today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And then I did Growing Pains, which he was. I did a whole season of Growing Pains. He was on a few episodes. And you then were? I guest starred on with Growing him. Pains with him. Growing Pains. I worked with Hillary Swank on my season, but I never worked with you. And were you guys like at that point? You obviously you wanted to be actors and you wanted to be movie actors. But were you studying to be? Were you doing actively working with people, training? Other than other than um, drama class at school, no. Really? No, I no was. formal training. Yeah. I came out from the Ozarks, and I needed some. I needed, I needed a little bit of <laughs> polishing. <laughs> and so I finally got a, uh, uh, yeah, I can say Ozarks now, because now there's a show. People have some idea of what that might be. But is that a great idea, that show? <laughs> yeah, it's not so far off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they just left out the, the Bible Belt portion of it. Right. But the, uh, um, and I got my, I went on my first audition and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. It was for a film and I came back and this, this agent who, yeah. was, who was trying me, trying me on as they did then, I said, how did I do? And she yeah. said, you ever thought about acting classes? <laughs> I'd been in them for six months, you know? Yeah. And who were you, who were, who was, uh, who were you tr studying with? 
guy named Roy London. He was fantastic. Oh, this he, guy he's heard not of with this us guy. anymore. He's yeah, really set me. In, a lot of people studied with that guy. Yeah, a few people. Huh? And you just you just studied in high school. Yeah, but then I, after after a while, I started studying with Larry Moss, who's an amazing coach too. And and that was do you do you guys use guys now or do you you're done with it? I talk yeah. to Larry all the time. You do? Yeah. I yeah. talk to Leo, <laughs> and he talks to Larry for me. <laughs> Gives me a few pointers. Like what kind of questions do you ask him? No, he just pushes you. They, they you need them. They he he kind of just drives me to make decisions. It's it's yeah. uh, you know, like I said, I only got into movies because. You know, I was really lucky that 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 television show had me locked in for the season. It was really out, the late Alan, great Alan Thicke and those producers that said, "You know what? Let the kid off the last few episodes to go work with De Niro," and they didn't need to do that, right? You know, I, I uh, and, Im- and immediately I had like this elitist approach about movies, and then. Alan was like, you know we love you. I was like, oh, my God, yes, sir. <laughs> he wrote him. I was like, I am so incredibly thankful that you let me have that opportunity. And you did, like, what did you do, 21 Jump Street, too? I did that, too. Yeah. A very special episode dealing with suicide. <laughs> yes. I think it was even billed as a very special episode of it was 21 just Jump one? Street. And maybe I had two lines. Uh-huh. It was I only one know. episode of that? Uh, oh, me? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I guest star. And then yeah. I guest starred on like the last year of 30-something. Oh, yeah. I had one line. It was either yeah. yes or no. So you guys I can't like, remember. One word, actually. Right. Yeah. And you were at, so you are like really at it a while. What was the, what was your first movie? I did a movie in former Yugoslavia. Oh, nice. High, big budget film. Yeah. Yeah. First time on a, on a plane. Really? First, like, passport. For, got to go over to... Uh, Got to go out of the country. Really? Know, that so, was, yeah. And you were like, how old? I was 38. No. no I was like, I was like, uh, I don't know, early 20s. First time on a plane. Yeah. You so drove you dro- out here? You drove to LA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. From Oklahoma. <coughs> Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. Southern That's where Missouri. you're from. Yeah. Oklahoma via Southern Missouri. Yeah. And, and what, in a truck? No, a little <laughs> Dotson. A little beat up Dotson like with a the front. 210? It was close. It, yeah. it, no, it a little better. Don't tell me it was, it was a, a Datsun 210. No, it was a 300 SX. Oh, okay, because we, I had. The but Datsun. the bumpers hanging off, you yeah. know, and you're loaded up where you can just see forward. And, yeah, and you just like you, what you you finished college out there? I didn't finish. I did four years. Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't didn't officially finish. <laughs> you just split. You're just gonna act. done. Yeah, but when you were, go. when you were growing up in Missouri, were you did you know you were gonna did you do acting there? Hell no, there's no acting. There, there wasn't you, then. No? None, none, none what of the town Ozarks. was it? What? It was Springfield. Yeah. Yeah. And you grew up like literally in the Ozarks. Yeah. Are you yeah. folks still there? Yeah. <laughs> Family, brothers, sister, they live on the same street. Do, really? Yeah. Do you, still do, go to the Ozarks for the summers. And... Do you go visit? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you bring all of your kids to the Ozarks? We would, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's, that's yes. nice. Yeah. 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 And what about... But fortunately, California's what? more of a draw. Oh, so they come. So they like to come here. So <laughs> that's all right. That's good. That's good. So you drove out here, and then... The, okay, so Yugoslavia. What was that? What movie was that? It's called Dark Side of the Sun. <laughs> about a kid with a skin disease who can't go out in the sun or something. <laughs> really? Then, yeah. And then... Uh, <laughs> And then uh, decides, That's you know, amazing. living yeah. a week is worth living in the sun. is worth living than not living at all in the, and I don't know. So he goes out like into the sun? Yeah, and he dies. Oh, and my he God. Dies. <laughs> <laughs> and 
That's amazing. Yeah. That's an amazing <laughs> plot line. <laughs> I remember powder, but this is totally. What wow. about the one yeah, with this tra- would have been this the precursor version of, oh, of got powder? Him, got him. But wasn't Travolta in a bubble movie? Oh yes, yeah, he was. Boy, boy in the the, couldn't leave the bubble. Damn fine movie. Was it? <laughs> Damn fine movie. <laughs> <laughs> and your first movie was Boy's Wife. A no, boy's it, wife? actually, no, no, it wasn't my. It was my first. I, I did a small part in Critters Three. Yeah. Ooh. Which we shot at a Smart and Final in, yeah. in Santa Monica. Move your hand up on that thing. So I, I think so. No, like uh, so you're not holding the connection. Oh, sorry. Where's the buzz coming from, man? Who's got the buzz? Where's the buzz? Oh, get him. Move your foot. Oh, you're on it. There you go. It's still a the buzz. Panic. No, no, it's kind of gone. Good oh, man. Okay. Was it? Was that awkward when I got all freaked out? No, oh, there is not a, really. There is a buzz. I kind of we'll expect be patient you to and get all. They'll cut this out. It'll be all great. No, I kind of expect you to get all freaked yeah, I, out I, I a little bit. Care. I'm like kind of waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Dude, you I just want to lose your shit. And I then. was with fucking Totoro, man, and the hand thing was one thing, and then I looked down, and the fucking thing wasn't recording. So <laughs> oh, he, no. he saw it. We'd done like a half an hour, man, oh, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and Totoro's sitting there watching me spin out. Like, I literally just wanted to quit. Like, I was like, it was done. And uh, I said, I, I, he goes, how much did we lose? And I said, like, 25 minutes. He goes, I remember it. Oh, and he, wow. And it was, and it was oh, if, that's awesome. He's if, like, we, it was like a script. <laughs> like, he literally recaptured wow. the whole thing. Wow. But that made me wonder, like. I can't go backwards. I would, no, I, I don't I'd know have how to leave. We, but I am here just to see you lose your shit, so. Well, maybe it'll happen. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it almost happened before. Hey, hey, ooh, that mic's really hot. Why is that mic different than the rest? Fucking fuck. <laughs> this whole thing's going to yeah, be a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> it's digressing. That's what you've been waiting for. I'm going down fast, guys. It's not happening. Hello, check, check. This one sounds weird now. Wow. <laughs> Hello, what's happening? I don't like it. <laughs> you wish that there was, are, is there an check, actual check, home check, base check, that check, you're talking check. Oh, here to we somewhere? Go. <laughs> here we go. Did, did that all work out for you? The freaking yeah, out? yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that. Okay, I think we're good now. Jesus Christ, that was fucking terrible. It was fucking terrible. So, what were we just talking about? Movies? We were talking <laughs> about our uh, earliest first film. movie. Yes. Uh, so I did a guest part on Critters Three. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that? Like? Critters. What was that like? <laughs> Critters Three at a Smart and Final in Santa Monica, and then yeah. I. But I think my first role in an actual movie was with Sarah Gilbert and Drew Barrymore, and it was uh, called Poison Ivy. And I had yeah. a whole monologue insulting Sarah Gilbert. Nice. And I messed up my lines. <laughs> I think I was twelve or 13, 13 years old. Yeah. Screwed up my lines. Then they get, they just said, all right, kid, just walk in and look at her and say problems. And I said, just yeah. problems? And I walked in and I said, problems. <laughs> yeah. That was my line. And then they cut that out of the movie. So I'm not in the movie at all. <laughs> my first role, I'm actually not in at all. They completely edited me out. Now, like, how much does the effect, because you guys both worked with um, Alejandro in... In, in Aritu. In Aritu. Mm. You did Babel with him, right? Mm-hmm. And you did The Revenant. Now, that guy seems to be, in terms of, like, you both work with great directors, but in, in terms of being part of something, Quentin, too, but in terms of being something that, like, if you look at the scripts and look at the vision of it as being, like, holy fuck, this is a, a real piece of art. 
Mm-hmm. Would that guy like rank up there with that? Absolutely. I mean, like, Absolutely, yeah. Where you don't even know how it's all going to work out in the scope of it? Oh, there was no way to, to foresee what he was going to do out there. I mean, the script was one thing. It was kind of this linear story of a guy surviving yeah. out in the wilderness, you know, a great sort of revenge story. But, right. I mean, what what he did cinematically with that movie just blows me away. That, and there was a point where he was wanted to sort of continue that idea of a singular shot like he had done with Birdman throughout the course of that entire wilderness until we got to the point that we realized there are two characters that go in opposite directions. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And then he quickly sort of improvised with Chivo, the great cinematographer, on trying to keep this linear sort of one-shot snake idea but then cut back and forth but at one time he was like no no i'm gonna do one shot all the way through and then he realized there's <laughs> thousands of miles between us <laughs> and he'd have to do a puff of smoke and fly over here <laughs> back and forth but what they did on that movie and in those conditions I, I don't know how they pulled it off it was incredible and and your thing with him that that scene on the bus where that bullet comes through like the window Right? Isn't that that? Yeah, right? that's right. But when you read that script, did you see how all those stories were going to fit together? I mean, when you get a project like that, do you just trust yeah, the I mean, guy? He, yeah, yeah, you trust him by his by his previous work, and and also it was it was there was something in the way it was constructed. It was the end scene for me that made me want to do it because only I had going through that whole journey yeah. that he realized how close he came to losing everything, and right, oh, right, that's yeah. when. The, you know the adrenaline's gone. He could just and just break down from it all. And I was I was moved by that, yeah. but I didn't know the depths again. It's what right. Leo was saying. You don't know what he's got in his mind. You just know it's yeah. It's, you really bank on he's the, film, the filmmaker. I mean, because I mean, after having read so many great screenplays that have been yeah. turned to, to dog shit in the wrong <laughs> yeah, hands, right? You actually realize that the filmmaker is the one that elevates material that you and and brings things to it that you could have never foreseen. You know, you're there, there we're seeing it through their eyes. Do you have movies where either of you like or uh, think like you don't know how it got away from whoever it got away from, but it wasn't you? Like where you, where you watch the final thing and you're like, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> yes, it's that it's that horrible feeling when you're screening with others. Yeah, and the the uh, the lights come up. Yeah. And everyone looks at you to say something. And you know. <laughs> you just know. You're like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. I don't know Do what you remember happened. any of the lines that anyone told you after? Well, you know, if they ever come up and they say, I really like the music. Who did the yeah, music? Yeah, yeah. Who did that? That music was amazing. <laughs> then you know. You know, it's the dead giveaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a couple. Of, I went to a premiere. I won't yeah. mention the name of the film, but I just remember my friend looking at me and going, not my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> Not my cup of tea. <laughs> uh, you don't know what it was about it. That wasn't his cup Everything of tea. Everything about this. <laughs> you know it's a turd, though. You feel it. You just feel it. And it's not. It's the first time you see it. Yeah. All the work, everything that went into it. And you know it's just a turd. Yeah. It smells so bad. Nothing's nothing's landing. Do you know it from the, like when you the, know right when the promotion starts, right when the posters? It, it come It doesn't out. take long. You f- you just feel it when yeah. you're sitting in that you know in the cinema and you're going, oh my uh, god, it's, oh, it's gonna oh be bad. Oh my god, this yeah. is bad. This is so it's, bad. You've been at it like ten more years or so than him, so you've got a bit, like a lot more movies. In I've the been case. at it a little bit long, but we kind of hit the same yeah. time. 
You um, I had I had further ground to make up to get right. to where Leo started from. I think, but it doesn't seem like you guys have to do this. Where where you know you read a script and you know like you know this is gonna stink, but it's only four weeks and <laughs> and it's I, it's it's gonna it, yeah, yeah it's gonna could, get me the right the, whatever you don't yeah. you don't have to do that. No, we've been pretty fortunate. We're yeah. pretty fortunate now. Very lucky, fellas. Had to yeah. do it before. Yeah, but yeah, you, you yeah. felt that before. I just flashed on when we did the uh, when we um, did the first screening of Seven. Yeah, no, the premiere. Yeah. We had the premiere of Seven. No one has seen it. Yeah, and this is the serial kill. Uh, yeah, I know. David Great Fincher. movie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the uh, the movie ended. Yeah, you know, her was head, this in her New York? Heads in the was this in yes, it was in New York. I, I think I was there. Were you there? I think okay, I was there. if you remember, the movie ends and they just flick on the lights. And I look at people and they're just they they just kind of slowly get up from their seat <laughs> and no one's talking. Oh, yeah. And then they just kind of disappear from the screen. And yeah. I remember looking at Fincher going, Oh my god, what the fuck did we do? <laughs> what happened? What's going? I thought this shit was great. And I had a different memory of it. I remember people liking it. But yeah, I guess that would be it's I kind of now now as you were describing it, you I kinda remember that. But that's I, I think that. that's what I talked to Ed Norton. He sort of said that happened with with Fight Club too. Oh, we had a great one. We had the best. We had the best screening ever. Yeah. We were we had it at yeah. Venice Film Festival, and they do this midnight screening. Yeah. For some reason or not, we thought it'd be a good idea to smoke a joint beforehand. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and we go in, and you know they have this. You, they put you up in a balcony, and you sit yeah. next to the the fest the guy who runs the festival. It's, right. You know everyone's looking at you. They, they clap. You sit down. It's yeah. very formal. Yeah. And then the movie starts, and uh, <laughs> first joke comes up, and and it's just it's crickets, it's dead silence, and and another joke, and it's just it's dead silent. Oh no! And this thing is not translating. You know, it's right, in subtitles. Right. Yeah. It is not translating not- at all. And the more that happened, the funnier it got to Edward and I. <laughs> And we just start laughing. So we're the assholes in the back laughing at our own jokes. Right. The only ones. And then at some point, it gets to the Helena Bonham Carter's line when she says, I haven't been fucked like that since grade school. <laughs> <laughs> and I watched the festival guy who had been squirming, yeah. you know, the whole 30 minutes. Yeah. Just get up and he leaves. <laughs> he doesn't say, he doesn't say a word. He just gets up and leaves. That was which that. makes us laugh. Even more so. <laughs> That's beautiful. Oh, we had a good time. Do you remember like the moment where you you just sort of you realized your life was never going to be the same again? Oh, oh yeah, like, yeah. What was, it? Yeah, a film called Titanic. That was it. Yeah, that was it. That was it. And that, and after that, I just remember go. I, you know, I I was off on location doing movies. Yeah. You know, right away, and then. You know, I was in my early 20s already, and I was always, I never bothered to look for a house, so I stayed in my mom's guest room into my early 20s, and then and then the movie started to come out, or the buzz of it, or whatever, and I just remember four SUVs outside my house one day. Yeah. And I went to, like, the liquor store to get a soda, and there were the SUVs, and then they just kept following me. Uh, yeah. Every yeah. day of my life. Right. <laughs> and yes. it was and I was like, day. okay, this this life will no longer be the same. To this day. Yeah. Uh, probably more like Ford Explorers about yeah. 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 yeah, something like that. Blacked out windows. Mm-hmm. And that that happens to this day. No, 
It doesn't. Not anymore. It doesn't? No, no, no. It doesn't. Not not as much anymore. No. No. Thank God. Did, did you do something? Usually there's it? like this time when you have a movie coming out or you're starting to do promotion where they're sort of, sort of on you a lot more. Yeah. But, you know, I, I get to... I've been able to escape a lot more, which is great, and walk around and you do be do you, outside do you, and things like that. You don't do you wear? Like, I'm a little disgruntled with you now that I hear that. <laughs> what? You have them wait. You have them waiting. Oh man, really? Oh man, yeah. But maybe hey, I, uh, I don't. I don't what? Know. What? I'm just I'm just like trash mag fodder. I'm like I'm I, I don't know my. Uh, because know. of uh, because my disaster of a personal life probably <laughs> most got a likely. very exciting uh, <laughs> uh, personal life. <laughs> but there's like, but he, but you've gotten into confrontation with him before. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And there's nothing you can fucking do about those guys. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't like, get a like, restraining like, like a little Kim said, yeah. the paparazzi's yeah. gonna get you one way or another. It's been my motto. I figure there's just there's nothing you could do. About but you've it. never had to go out with a fake nose or anything. Like I heard, oh, we've tried all that stuff. I'm sure. I mean, and it's all some, a failure. They always oh, find no, out. I got some good ones. You do? I got, oh yeah, fake I noses. Still, no, I got some good getaways oh. that I will not reveal here because they're still in play. Oh okay. Yeah. In terms of like just being able to disappear, or you yeah. like a, do you have a stunt double that you work with? No, none of that life? works. No, none of that works. No, <laughs> no. I've had so many people say, let me wear your hat. I'll jump out. It just yeah, you doesn't, you know, it's just none of that stuff works. No, no good? No good. I don't remember who I was talking to. Maybe it was Galifianakis was telling me about Downey. He had a, a nose or something made. And he, oh, Mel there's Gibson's the Mel Gibson brilliant mask and, yeah. that Kazu made him. Yeah. It's brilliant rubber mask. But then, they, but then they photographed that, too. Oh. They t- oh, so and they- then they put it, put him in the magazine with Mel Gibson with them the fake with the mouse. Yeah, and so that ruins uh, that ruins that. He got, ruins he, that. Got a, he got a lot of mileage off it though. He he, he did for a few years. Yeah. Oh really? He, he did go really out among well. the people. Yeah, and it was just enough. It was it, yeah. it was real enough, but but off enough to make someone like just want to walk the other way. You know, <laughs> there was something wrong. <laughs> just so he just looked a bit creepy. So you. <laughs> So it was like that looks like Mel Gibson. Oh, it's not though. Yeah. What's wrong with that guy? <laughs> Just make you step aside and not investigate. So with this, like, can I ask you? Because I've seen the last two movies that you do. I watched uh, Ad Astra, and how'd uh, you do with that one? I liked it because I didn't know. I'm not a space guy in general. You know what yeah, I mean? I and I, think you're... I entered it cranky. You know, but I, <laughs> Strange, <laughs> cranky, but but, like, but then I realized. How, how was your movie? This, well, this... I entered it cranky. <laughs> did it soften you in any way, or just make you crankier? It did. No, no, because I thought like, well, this guy's really gone above and beyond to work out his dad stuff. <laughs> I just got to make a phone call or drive to New Mexico. This fucker went to outer space to get some closure. Like, when, get some closure. When I realized that. Was like just really a movie about like uh, this guy. I hope this guy works it out with his old man because <laughs> life might be, uh, be like it was. So, it was so clearly a movie about like uh, I got to deal uh, with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. That space thing had nothing like to do you with just anything. Could have stayed home and done a year of therapy. Right, maybe. right. Or, yeah, like yeah, call yeah, him, yeah, but, it's fair. but but there was problems. The one thing I never understood, like what what was his ship doing that was causing all the trouble? Did they even explain uh, that? I'm not going to explain it to you. Oh, you know, though. No, I can't explain it either. So. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's, that sounds like Inception for me. What happened? I have no idea. <laughs> right? You don't, do you? 
Sometimes you just, I mean, you're just focused on your character, man. Of course. You know? Of course. No, I, the... no actually, I do get involved in yeah. that. But when it came to Chris Nolan and his mind and how that was all pieced together, everyone was trying to constantly put that puzzle together. On that. Did anyone ever succeed? I can't remember if it made sense ultimately. Well, Did it? Yeah, it depends on the eye of the beholder, I guess. <laughs> My producer has a weird question I got to ask you about this movie. Is that he's, he's he, for some reason, and he told me this. He said, the only, the only thing I'm hung up on, man, you got to ask him. He said, he said he wanted me to ask you if your character actually got the part in uh, The Great Escape and was fired. No. Or was that a fantasy that you were thinking? No, it was a fantasy. It was, uh, it was well, we actually had this whole section that actually Quentin was talking earlier about the fact that he had a four and a half hour cut. Yeah. And the, 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 the movie that you see, I mean, this is all from the mind of, Quentin Tarantino and there's so many other sections that I think he had to take out to sort of drive the story along but there was this great moment with Al Pacino and I spent like three weeks with Al Pacino at Musso and Frank's (laughs) one-on-one doing this sort of whole history of Rick Dalton's career what he's been through the state of the movie industry the state of our culture right this sort of I could have been somebody could have been a contender almost got you know, the great escape, but I was the third guy on the list, had you know, McQueen dropped out and this and this. I could have been that guy. Yeah. So we kind of put it in to the Timothy Oliphant scene where we start talking about our careers right. and then there's this kind of flash right. of Rick yeah. as that as as, as McQueen, McQueen and yeah. how Rick Dalton would have played the McQueen. But role. it wasn't it was, an actual which memory. Which was the star breaking turn for McQueen. And it's not right. it's just, Leo describes it as a moment. It's like a ten minute scene, and it's fantastic. It is. I do it's great. hope it makes the because it it's the bane of his existence. He's walking around, and everyone knows him as the guy who almost got the great escape. Right. And he gives this this uh, very uh, uh, sobering soliloquy on how, how it was never going to happen. Yeah. And stop calling me that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, when when you get when you, when you entered working on this part. I mean, it's the heart. It's the actual heartbreak of show business is what you're playing, basically. Right? Yeah, and it's not something that you haven't seen before to, in other people. I mean, we're surrounded no, by mean, it all the time. That's what we were, Brad and I were just talking about in in the in the Q and A just now is how you know, although we've been incredibly fortunate and 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 have had a you know sort of long successful career, we know this world. We know, I've grown up around. Actors that almost got this role or almost got that role. We yeah. we knew the dynamic of of these relationships. I mean, I've had guys over the years that have been yeah. my psych, like I said, my psychiatrist, my yeah. security guard. Right. You're on location in sure. Africa for eight months. Right. They got your back. The hard days, they're there for you, and they really do carry the load. So, even though Quentin gave us this amazing manuscript on our history, detailed from you know. The figment of his own, I mean, right from his imagination. Yeah. We implicitly knew this dynamic in Hollywood and and this sort of relationship that these two guys had. And I think it was weirdly like the first day on set, we were, we just kind of clicked. And I keep telling the story, but it's true. The... He, I remember we were driving onto onto the, the the Lancer lot, and Brad just improvised this line, and and he he goes, you know. Hey, realizing I have a hangover, realizing I've gotten this bad news that my career is essentially over, and he just goes, "Hey, you're Rick fucking Dalton." And as soon as he said that, I was like, "Oh, 
That's us, man. No matter what the hell's going down, that's my number one fan right there. You're Rick fucking Dalton. And I'm like, yep, you got it. And I go and have a disastrous day on set regardless. But that's true, though, because I even noticed that when I was a doorman at the comedy store is that there is this weird kind of people have satellite people. Mm-hmm. That kind of walk around as the extension of mm-hmm. their ego. There's mm-hmm. an ego support system, yeah. <laughs> and you see it all the time in this town. And then, and and then you have this like at the center is this completely delusional person, <laughs> completely delusional, yeah. <laughs> that that really thinks they're they're really doing amazing things. Oh shit! I was just calling it friendship, <laughs> but you're so right. You're so friendship right. with a paycheck, <laughs> and like Cliff says, hey, you ain't got it so bad. You know, I gotta go fix her antenna today but you know he's he's not so bad huh rick i mean that was the thing that i had to like figure out about rick dalton is yeah. what uh god what a, not only what a pessimist but what a whiner he was and 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 i think that quentin always had this thing that i didn't quite understand that he's really feeling sorry for himself you and then he meets the girl the little girl who's like oh that was sorry. and there was another scene that was cut out about hey you know yeah. Aren't we lucky to do what we do? And Rick just doesn't realize that. He yeah. just realize, he's all he obsessively thinks about is what could have been. He could have been a contender. He could have been this guy. And the whole industry sucks and the world sucks and these goddamn hippies. Yeah. <laughs> and what, when when you went into it, how how what were you thinking? Like who were you playing? Like did you know the guy? Well, he he no, I mean... Well, you I, told me you got that line from somebody who said it to you. Oh, this guy, yes. When I first started, this this guy, I had this guy. I was, yeah. I was bitching and moaning like in the mid-90s, and I had this guy, total freeloader, you know, yeah. like... You, you, yeah, I would just always see him walking back and forth wearing my clothes, using yeah. using my dryer, <laughs> you know what I mean, and eating the food. But he was he was there for me, man. Yeah. And one day he had said that to me. I was I was bitching and yeah. moaning. This is like mid nineties. Yeah. He said, hey man, don't forget, you're Brad fucking Pitt. <laughs> and you know what? It soothed me. <laughs> it soothed me. You gotta have those guys. So no, but there was just a. Uh, there's just an ease to, you know, I, I mean, I'm certainly striving for, you know, an ease in, in life. And there was an ease to this, this character yeah. that, that, you know, just didn't, didn't sweat the small shit. Well, I think that it seems like, uh, like in both these, these roles, they were kind of uh, like even in Ad, in Ad Astra that you, you were able to kind of, there was a control to it that, you know, I, I had not seen before. That it seemed like you were, this guy was sort of zen. And the Ad Astra guy was just sort of repressed, but you were able to <laughs> you were able to quiet down. Well, this one, yeah, this one was more. I I think and Cliff was just a guy who accepted his cards and was all right with it, and and, and, right. and it was going to be okay, and everything was you know it was okay. Like it wasn't really against me. The world isn't against me. Right, right. Even if I get shit on this day, I'll yeah. well deal with it. I'll clean it up. And and you can the, fight. <laughs> and he, well, yeah. yes, yes, that's that. <laughs> you know, you can definitely handle yourself. So, is, it, is this the first time you work with Quentin, though, right? No, second. What was the first one? Uh, Inglorious uh, Bastards. Oh, that's right. That was yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. That was huge. Do your homework, don't you, Mark? <laughs> yeah, I got a list here somewhere. Is it important? <laughs> no. yeah, yeah, you were great in that. You're oh, Brad, thanks. Brad fucking Pitt. <laughs> yes, thanks, man. <laughs> thanks, man. But so you guys knew how he worked. Yeah. You were used to the process. Yeah. Is he different than any other director? I mean, these guys, these bigger... Oh, he's different. Mm -hmm. He's different. He's amazing. And does he let you riff a lot? 
Yes, 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 and no. I mean, there's certain. I mean, there's certain dialogue sequences that he has sort of stuck in his mind, and he's you know he's a writer director. Right. He's got yeah. So he's got certain cadence and almost a way of saying the line that he has envisioned in his head. But then there's other times, like in a lot of the. you know, the the trailer stuff, for example, where he yeah. lets you riff, he lets you improvise. And a lot of stuff with Brad and myself, we just, we improvised a lot of that too. So, it, yeah, he's, he's keeping, you know, he's keeping a watchful eye on it. Yeah. But his, I do, I, I found that his stuff, there's a very specific music to it. I, yeah, I only yeah. found that with the Coen brothers as well, that if you start. They're real inter- tight with that shit, If you right? start. The, well, they're not militant about it. I'm just right. saying if the actor starts interjecting us and does and. Yeah, you know, right clever yeah, little yeah, bits that yeah, he, yeah. he thinks is interesting yeah it, it usually it usually fucks up the, the rhythm the music too yeah 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 uh, um on the other hand he'll throw out lines he's a writer mm-hmm. so he'll throw out lines or, or give us room to play and you know honestly like with directors like him and scorsese when you get these guys that are true cinephiles yeah and i mean world class like put them on jeopardy type of sure, cinephiles of course yeah like name the editor of an of obscure 32 <laughs> right, right. french film not him the one that got fired right and they'll know that name <laughs> right yeah and I, I think you know marty's seen every film ever made up until 1980 but then <laughs> quentin's got this crazy catalog of of not only music but television and kung fu movies and b films and out of print stuff that he, yeah you know these guys watched movies all day long yeah i mean they are absolute experts at at this subject matter so for me like when for for example i knew this era of cinema but i didn't know all the type of films that he was referring to and i didn't know the television the cowboy television shows right i mean dead or alive and all these i mean i watched some of them gunsmoke the rifleman we saw repeats i mean you're at the same age as me it was before my time but i remember repeats so i had to get acclimated to this era of cinema the era of of television at that time the guys that almost made it but didn't quite make the television to movie transition and so he gave me this long list of actors to sort of navigate and there was this one guy, Ralph Meeker, that just like Ralph I cued Meeker. into, and yeah. I was like, "That's the guy. He's not as bad as the other guys. Right? He's got some great stuff in him, but he just never got that shot. He never got the chance yeah. to to show it. And uh, so that's who I cued into, and I just sort of obsessively watched his work. So the meltdown in the in the trailer that was you improvised that, I imagine, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you were playing that, was it in your mind? Were you just a boozer? Did you have deeper mental problems? What did you put in place, or do you even think about that? Well, I, I definitely knew that Rick was an al- a full fledged alcoholic. Right. That was kind of he wrote in the subtext in. Yeah. of the script. Right. And then I, you know, I added a bunch of stuff that had to do with a guy that was having a full mental breakdown, I think. And <laughs> what would come with that, yeah. you know, it's just his, he's dealing with his own mortality in a lot of ways. And what do you do to, like, this is just a dumb actor's question, I guess, for both of you, because I, you know, I try to act occasionally. What do you do, like, to, in terms of putting a care, what is wrong with this fucking... <laughs> <laughs> It's got to be a cord. It just started again. Don't worry about it. God damn it. All right, so. Just got my admissions work. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. God damn it. To stay in the fucking character, what, what, do, you, what do you put in place? Do you, how do you put it all in place? Do you just, is it all, do you, are you fully formed in it, and then the camera stop, and you can have a donut, and then it's like you're ready to go, and then you just remember the guy? 
you know, very selfishly, you're just, uh, for me, I'm just obsessively thinking about what I'm doing all day long. And what was so amazing about getting to see, like, the final product is to, f- you know, Brad and I met every couple weeks and we're like, did a scene, a random scene together. And yeah. then maybe we'd have a week. Before you shot. And then, so he had this whole other dynamic and storyline that he was doing. I had finished my Lancer stuff, oh, right. popped in and out. But then this, what was so cool was being able to see like the finished product and see what Brad had created and not even realizing what he was doing when he was doing it with me. This sort of, you know, uh, almost like this Steve McQueen Zen. I mean, something that was so amazing that he pulled off and I didn't even I wasn't even aware of it. Yeah. I wasn't like aware of it when we were well, doing. You our were supposed scenes. to be self obsessed, so you know, <laughs> you're not meant to. So you mean you you had no idea what his what his whole other life? But it, looked I mean, like. we all like, went off and did our right, separate sure. stories, and, yeah. and Margot too, and yeah. it was really fun to see it all you know yeah. come together. And how do you like? How do you hold on to it? I don't, man. I'm yeah. not. You know, you you hear those stories like, man, he couldn't let go of the character. Well, you know, <laughs> for three months he was still like, you know, living under the bridge. And, yeah, right. And eating. <laughs> I'm, I'm, man. It, it's they say rap. I am done. But even in between I scenes, though, like you're not sitting in your character, so you just kind of like lock into a tone or an no. You do. You stay in the. You stay in the. You do stay in the mode. The tone. Yeah. You stay from the beginning of shooting to the end. You do stay in a. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what to call it. Uh, a, mindset. a padded cell. Yeah. yeah. It's a mindset. Now, I, I want to talk to you both about uh, producing before we run out of time, because you're both doing things. Mm-hmm. But you, neither one of you want to direct, really? I have no desire. You? Not really. Huh. Why? It's a time suck, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like six months to oh, a year. Two years, in. at least. Yeah. Two years just to start. And, and you're relying on so many variables. I mean, the planets really have to... A line. That's my. Th- I, I'd rather do that, you know, spend the time in the studio or, right. or with friends. Yeah. But on the other hand, I do think there's so many good people doing it right now. I really don't have anything to add. Huh. About you? Yeah. Maybe if there was a, a story that I, I felt like only I could tell. Yeah. But <laughs> it's very interesting. Like you know, you're like we're when you're talking about trying to create a performance. You're kind of selfishly just focused on you all day long and yeah. creating these moments with the other actors. Right. Just thinking about the story. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a director who has a hundred different departments coming up to me every day saying, what color should this be? You know, <laughs> what kind of cups do you like? Do you like this one or that one? What shot? Like, I would be like, what? Leave me alone. I have one. I just want to have this to focus on. Right. It's, it's, yeah, it's a compartmentalization of the human mind that that, and focus yeah. that I may be able to, to do at some point. But for now, I mean, Not let, the let the guys like Bradley Cooper do it because he's, he's he doing a great well. job. He's he doing sure a great does. job. Yeah, you, you guys are friends, right? Yeah. And you that movie was something. He really did something. Yeah, he did it. He's yeah. got it. He's got the goods. He sure yeah. does. And, and good act. He you could know, act when, in it. Well, that's it the amazing. thing that killed me is at the end where you realize that he's actually doing a Sam Elliott impression. That moment where he's like, you realize he did steal the guy's personality. I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> like he put that whole thing into place. You didn't know why he was talking like that mm-hmm. until you he cops to it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, holy fuck. <laughs> <Wow>. He did. <laughs> 
Yep. He, the whole accent was Sam Elliott the whole time. He stole his whole personality. <laughs> Anyways, so you both seem to like produce different, you, you know, different. You seem to take some real risks with artistic stuff you know, in terms of the kind of movies you're getting behind. And you have like a, a, a kind of sociopolitical angle. That you're sociopathic political. <laughs> no, I think it's great. Mm. I, but I did want to ask you, why did what? How did you get involved with that Jim, that Jim Jones documentary? Did you do that? Yeah, we did that. Um, we did that. That was crazy. Yeah, man. it was an insane, insane story. I mean, like for some reason, there's been a lot of documentaries that we've been gra- gravitating towards. I mean, this really is the era of documentaries. Sure. Yeah. And for the you know, I just did one with my father called Struggle with which she's in, which is about the whole underground art scene and this guru to sort of crumb and Robert Williams called Stanislav Zukalski and his whole crazy journey to California and L.A. becoming this obscure. It's kind of like a searching for Sugarman, but a, a sculptor. Was this your dad's idea? It was been my it's been my father and my idea for almost 20 years now. And we pitched it, you know. 15 times over the years, but yeah. now in this era, which is fantastic, we're talking about the whole transition yeah. of, of of where our industry is going. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I came into Netflix and I'm like, so there's this sculptor, you know, everything was bombed during World War II. His whole life's work disappeared and he ends up living in obscurity in the valley and then has a resurgence and it's his life story. And Ted's like, great, let's do it. Great. I'm like, what? <laughs> Well, what just happened? Uh, and wow. they greenlit the thing. Yeah. And so it's just been so exciting to be able to see all these, you know, really cool stories getting financed, quite simply. And it's amazing. Did, years ago. You I did. mean, because these things used to be have have to go into theaters amongst hundreds of others, never get the get the play time. Right. Find, they have to win an Academy Award for you to see them. Right. You know, they have to be world acclaimed now. You know, it's it's a, a draw to the consumer, and millions and millions of people watch these documentaries yeah, there, as opposed to having to go through the theatrical system. That's pretty fucking. And cool they're immediately me. educational. Yeah, and like and you learn something. But you amazing. did the eleventh hour a long time ago already. That's true. Yeah, but way more people would have seen it if it was right. been on a streaming would, service. That's much so much like before the flood. That's yeah. the one where I kind of traveled around the world for three years to every yeah, location yeah. on Earth for climate change. I mean that. You know that was in the, that that came in the modern. Are you going to be able to stop it? What the climate change? Oh boy, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, <laughs> we're having a tough go of it right now, pal. <laughs> tough go. Is anybody taking care of S. Clay Wilson? S. Clay Wilson's amazing. Yeah, uh, I, I, I I don't know the specifics okay. of it, but right. but you did. But he's amazing. He is. He is. Because you know he's a, he's had some trouble. Yes, yeah, he fell down, and yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Between S. Clay Wilson and climate change, I'm just concerned <laughs> about S. Clay Wilson. Somebody, yeah, somebody take care of everybody. Mm. But you did. But oh wait, you did Richard Jewell too. Yes, we did Richard Jewell. Yeah. Now, how does something like that happen? Clint is just sort of like, hey, you want to help me out with the this story? No, no, the story. Usually, you know, you get the rights to these stories, books, articles. Oh, so you start working with producers, uh-huh. and then you get the you hope for the right director that can get involved or the right actor to get involved to green light the project and then it's you know a go from there so you put so that or, together you were really part of it your company was i mean very intricately all <laughs> the p the financing <laughs> i talked to uh, how the line producing uh, yeah. you know ad <laughs> the lot guy it's really the great it's really getting access to the acquisition of, of right. cool ideas that we get to 
be one of my favorite films of the year and one of my favorite performances of the year. Yeah, he's amazing. I, he's amazing. Um, Paul I, Walter Hauser. Am I yeah, saying I it right? Yeah, I talked to him. Yeah. He's what a, a gem. What a sweet guy. What a gem. And then and Rockwell and Kathy Bates, too. Oh, yeah. They were great, And it just, right? you know, some some pop and some get yeah. found later. And it right. seems like um, this one's getting a little love, right? Yes. I just think, I, I think it's one of the greats of the year. I, 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 did, I, did I adore too. this film. I, I, did, and that, I adore and that performance these performances. It was Richard Jewell, oh my God. I can't disassociate him. And what's in, and that Clint is still, still. Still doing it, man. Still doing it and doing have it you, strong. You, mm-hmm. Have you worked with him? I haven't. You have. I did. Yeah. Jay Edgar Hoover. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's, he's Shoots quick, right? He does shoot quick. He does shoot quick. <laughs> And he eats salmon and spinach at every meal, and he's just like a Superman. Wow! But your now your production company did you did Moonlight, right? Yep. And you did Vice. Yep. And you and you did the Big Short and Selma, Twelve Years a Slave. You do amazing. Wow, that's a great. A lot of Oscar winners, Oscar contenders. How do you decide? Um, We follow filmmakers that we really respect. Yeah, and. And, you know, for a while there, before streaming, there was this period where big-budget tentpole films, you know, action films were getting made, and then films under $10 million if you wanted to do something risky. And there was this whole gap in between. Yeah. And I found at that time in the early aughts that we were... I mean, we first got in just trying to help some of these, you know, these people we believed in get their film to the finish line. Right. And it... Because there, there was this, this empty space, these films that weren't getting made. Yeah. And uh, that kind of, I think that really opened up with us. We've still yet to make a dime. Oh, really? You know, we're like, we're like, remember Walter Cronkite, CBS, you know, they yeah. only had to make 1% to keep the lights on. That right, was, yeah. In fact, news was much better than because of it. Yeah. Yeah, we're kind of like that. Seriously? Even <laughs> yeah. with those big movies? Yeah. What yeah. does it take to, why is that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It just hasn't, um, it's not my uh, forte. What do you got on the docket coming up? A film called Blonde, yeah, which is for Netflix. Uh, Marilyn Monroe, Andrew Dominic um, directed, cool. and the big series with um, um, called Underground Railroad. It's going to be cool, yeah, and uh, you know, so on and so forth. And is that really like? Do you see both of you guys? I mean, obviously, you're still you know vital actors, but do you see product producing as a, as a way to sort of like? Well, no. I like it because we get to still, you know, we're still. We can be storytellers. Yeah. We get to be a part of stories that we're not necessarily right for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We could yeah. be in, but we get to put those out in the world. I, I, I'm sure Leo feels the same. I feel the same. Pretty proud of the stuff that we mm-hmm. get to put out that may not be there if we, you know, hadn't got behind it in some way. All right. Or man. our team. Yeah. Yeah. Us or our team. What mm-hmm. are you guys working on? What am I doing now? Yeah. I mean, with production or acting. Uh, acting. Um, I'm doing a film in supposed to be in March. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, called Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh-huh. Uh, about the Osage uh, Indian murders in Oklahoma in the 20s. It was J. Edgar Hoover's, one of his first cases. And it w- had to do with these oil rights that the Osage were able to acquire and became the richest per capita people on earth, and then were systematically murdered. So it's a true story, all true. Yeah, horrendous. Yeah. Who's directing that? Scorsese. And, wow. And uh, De Niro's going to be in it as well. That's everybody. Are you acting in something? Uh, looking at doing something this summer with Chazelle on the silent movie era. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. wow. That's a great script. Yeah, it's cool. Great. It's a, it's a, what's it? What's it about? 
It just got the end of the silent movie era when talkies took over and and huh. how it was pretty you know it was the wild west at that at that time and people who were at the top of that industry were suddenly just you know put aside they didn't they didn't yeah. play anymore yeah no yeah and sunset boulevard uh. right yeah yeah thanks fellas thank you thank you man that was I'm, fun i'm glad i was able to freak out for you a little yeah, bit. i hope the sound <laughs> remains I, I, intact I, I have no idea what's going to happen i'm shutting it off right now <laughs> okay There you go, Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, with a nice little shout-out to S. Clay Wilson at the end. He doesn't get many of those, and I don't think he's uh, conscious enough to hear it, uh, even if he could. But uh, but it just popped into my head because Leonardo's pop is an underground comic guy. Anyway, uh, we'll see how they both did at the Golden Globes. That That's going to be information that you've gotten that I haven't gotten uh, as of this recording. Obviously, they're both in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And you should see it if you haven't. It's really a great movie. And now I'll play some uh, uh, garagey, surfy thing, I think.